So I am back now for episode number 100. I've taken quite some time off. I know, I know. It's been a, I don't know, it's been a long journey. I mean, it feels like yesterday that I just got started with this whole thing. Kind of overwhelmed with how much uh, love this has actually gotten. Um, you know, I just did it for fun and it ended up taking off. And I've never actually taken the time to thank everybody who's who's watched it, liked, commented, and subscribed. I've never even asked up until now. So Appreciate all the love and support. That being said, I took some time off. I wanted to make some some changes here, so I wanted to make it feel more like a podcast rather than just having you know the the Skype dividing the screen. So I added a few things here. You know, got some themes uh, going. Uh, you know, a logo up in the top, some overlays, and uh, obviously some banners um, like this down below. Um, that being said, I wanted to go big with episode number 100. I wanted to go for someone who's kind of achieving greatness, but one of the greatest things I like is to bring in up-and-coming prospects, guys who can eventually make it into the UFC and eventually make it and become champion. That being said, I'm very, very happy to announce that I have Mason Jones on for the 100th episode. For those of you who haven't seen, he had a very, very successful uh, fight a couple weeks ago, becoming champ champ in Cage Warriors, doing something that very few people have ever done, and we are going to talk about that. Without further ado, I'm going to bring him in. Hey, How thanks you? for having me on. <laughs> so, uh, so man, I appreciate you taking the time to uh, to jump on here. I made some changes to the the podcast setup. Before, it was just like the, the split screen on Skype, so I took some time off to make some changes, and you're the first one to come on and, and kind of have an interview this way. So I'm happy you came on. I wanted to go big for episode number 100, as you can see, episode 100. Yeah. And uh, I figured what better way to do it than uh, to have a champ champ come on and do it, man. So how does it feel? Champ champ. That's got to feel great. Mate, it does feel good. To be honest, if, if you told me this was episode 100, I would at least have my hair. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's a big <laughs> thing. <laughs> so thank you so much for giving me the honor of allowing me to be on for this episode. It really does mean a lot. And um I was just sat in the back room then um, when you uh, obviously moved me to the back room and I was like, oh, <laughs> episode 100. So um, thank you so much for having me on. But yeah, so Champ Champ feels um, unbelievable. For the, the first title I won, the lightweight title, um, that, not that it didn't mean a lot to me, but for me, winning that first lightweight title was inevitable. Like, sorry, it was something that I planned on the route up. Um, it'd been on my vision board for ages um, since I made my debut. I knew part of my steps was I was going to win the lightweight title, I was going to defend, and then I was going to move into the uh, into the, into the UFC. Like, that was always my goal. Then I was going to start chipping away at the UFC. I was going to earn my way up to that lightweight title. I was going to win that, the UFC lightweight title, and then obviously I was going to fight the best in the world, and, and I was going to roll the roost. Um, so to win that lightweight title was, was just sort of, it was inevitable for me. It was part of what I wanted to do. It was what I'd always set out to do. So if it felt good, but it was just sort of like, yeah, done that, perfect, let's start chipping away. And then um, the opportunity came up for me to fight uh, for the welterweight title. Um, Adam Proctor was meant to fight Reese McGee. Obviously, Reese McGee fought against Kazmat on six days' notice. Um, obviously, didn't go well for Reese, but um, he went in in, in a, he got signed, and um, he's obviously looking to, to fight again soon. Um, so that left a bit of a void. Um, with the whole COVID situation, I personally couldn't see who Cage Warriors was going to match me with. Um, there was no one really in the lightweight division that was really pushing as number one contender. They were struggling to bring international fighters in because of the COVID lockdowns introduced into the, into the UK. So it was a bit of a difficult situation. So I was like, wait, <laughs> I was like, this is looking good. So um, I rang my manager and said, look, um, Adam Proctor's out of his title fight against Reese McGee. I, I want to fight him for the title, um, for the welterweight title. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, 
you, you don't think small. He's like, look, I'll have a think. I'll get back to you. He said, um, he said, I'll see what they think. So um, I text the matchmaker as well. It's exactly the same thing. Just make sure you put in and he gave me the whole look. You're a lightweight fighter. Um, I don't think it's a good idea to move up the welder. And I literally just texted him back and said, um, I was like, can you just put it towards it? I said, I'm re- I put my name in the hat. I'm really interested. Let me know. And then they come back to ring me and said, look, we'll give you the fight. Um, and then obviously it just went from there. So I went in into the fight as a lightweight. Um, like I did the normal cut I do for lightweight. Uh, I did the water load. I didn't need to do the water cut. I think the night before I ended up going to about six, uh, 76.8. Um, so I managed to drink up. I drank up to 77.5, went to sleep, woke up under again, um, had my first recovery shake. About nine o'clock, we weighed in at twelve, so it was an easy weigh in this time. And then, um, obviously, he was slightly bigger than me. <laughs> yeah. um, five foot ten. Um, he's six three, I believe. And um, by the time we fought, I think the, the heaviest I went up to, I couldn't get over eighty kilos. Like normally, when I cut the lightweight, I go to about eighty eight, eighty one. Um, but for some reason, for this for this world weight contest, like, I struggled to get my weight over eighty k. Um, and I fully expect him to go in there at um, at about 88, um, 90 kilos. So obviously, because I'm a Brit, I go in kilos. So um, I don't know exactly what that is. Um, I put on 3K, 2.2 times 3. So that's what, 6.6 pound, whereas he probably put on, uh, God, what's 8 to 10 kilos in pounds? Um, 20 to 22 pound or 18 to 20 pound? Yeah, you're about an average size, I'd say an average size lightweight. And the fact that you're yeah. moving up, facing a guy who's, you know, when, when he's not weighing in, you yeah. could be significantly bigger. I mean, did you, what sorts of uh, things did you consider taking this fight? I mean, you're 9 0, you're knocking on the door of the UFC, you're taking a huge risk here. I mean, the only two people who've ever done this before you are Dan Hardy and Conor McGregor. So, yeah, it's amazing for your legacy, but if you lose it, you lose a lot of momentum, you lose a lot of steam, and you potentially lose that chance to make it to the UFC. So how, how long did you, you know, deliberate on whether or not this would be the right move? Uh, all, all of five minutes. So um, I'd already watched Adam Proctor's um, stuff. I knew I was better than Adam. Um, and the way I put it, because <laughs> I had to present, so the deal I've got with my coaching team, it's a, it's a weird situation. So um, whenever they'll give me fights and stuff, they'll always ask me what I think. And I always say yes to every fight. I've never turned a fight down. I know you get that a lot, but I'm, I'm interested to fight everyone. Um, they have to sort of, they deliberate, they look at the fights and they'll give me a yes, no answer. So the way I talked them into it was like, look, I want to go to the UFC. Um, look at James Vick. I said, James Vick is exactly the same statue as um, Adam Proctor. He manages to make lightweight. He's going to be exactly the same thing. Like if I'm, if I can beat Adam Proctor, I show I can contend with a proper with a proper lightweight. I can I can contend with the strongest there is. I can I can sort of contend with all these guys, um, and they were like, they were like, look, we'll take a look and get back to you. And when they looked, they said, look, you you're, you're better than him everywhere. Um, he's going to be bigger than you. He's going to be stronger. So it's up up to you. And I said, um, I said, look, I'll I'll smash him in two rounds. Easy as that. I said, um, so we had this game plan set in place, and. Um, we had a game plan set in place. We we sort of did a lot of work. We broke him down. We had situations for if he come out orthodox. We had situations for if he come out southpaw. And to be fair, if he come out southpaw, we're the most comfortable for me. Like um, I do a lot of boxing sparring with um, Jamie Cox. Uh, Jamie Cox is twenty five and two. He lost to George Groves for the the world title. Um, and I I was literally I was like, look, I'm not going to get better sparring. Like he's he's a big big powerful hitter. Um, so if he comes out southpaw, 
I'll I literally destroy Adam, and um, it went exactly like we planned. Like to be fair, my last my well my two title fights have gone exactly like we game planned. Two um, the last one went better than I game planned because I expected to have the hit in with four shots in the fifth to knock him out, whereas I hit him with two shots and big left hook to put him to sleep. Well, the, to put him down, and then I sort of kept hiding on, on him and finished him off. I didn't quite put him to sleep. Need to build our left hook, I think. <laughs> well, what I love about – I mean, I've, I've been watching your career for a little while now, and it just seemed like the harder the competition on paper, the better you perform. What is that? Why is that? Do you just feel like you're, you're a class better than these guys regardless? Why, why is it that the better the opposition, the better you look? Um, it's not even even now. Like, I've been doing elite sports since I was 14, and, like – the, the more dangerous these guys are, the more alert I have to be. So, like, Donovan Desmond, I would say, is probably the toughest competition I've fought. Um, I don't know whether him or um, Adam Proctor are up, up, up there, but um, the Desmond fight, he was the cleanest I've done because no matter where he went, he was dangerous. He was very, very strong. He had dangerous power in his hands, um, and he was, he was quite smart. So, I stayed clean. I, I stayed analytical, and I stayed professional. And I just literally just picked him up, and I, I just run. I dropped him three or four times in that fight, and I just stayed really clean in there. I didn't take a single big shot. And um, I come out out there with a three-fight massacre, a three-round massacre for a decision. But like when when I get in the UFC, because it isn't only a matter of time until I get in the UFC, you're really going to see like the, the the higher level opposition you, you match against me, the better version of me you see. Because I understand how to beat good people. And um, when I fight people who I don't rate as highly, I make more mistakes because I just I enjoy myself too much. I get in there, I try stupid stuff, I experiment with things, I I, I sort of take a few um, a few shots and. Like some of the guys I fought coming through my career, I've done so with injuries. Um, I've got this thing against pulling out in, in injured. I think if you if you sort of you you sign for a fight, you should follow that fight through. And like injuries are just something you have to deal with. So like um, I took um, two fights early on in my career with a broken hand. Um, that didn't really slow me down. Um, I ran through all those guys. I think the only person who's I've, who I've lost a round to was one one uh, one judge. Give Donald Desme one round. All the rest of them, I've won every single round. Um, even the ones, obviously, even the ones I stopped eventually. So, um, just looking at, at, at my last six fights, my last six fights, if you took their records before I went in, in, in there, it was 59 17 on one. Uh, an interview I did, they they sort of dropped that quote, that um, fact on me, and um, I've liked it ever since. Like, that just shows, like, I want to fight the best people. Like, I don't want to go into the, into the UFC whenever that comes and fight someone who's four and two or six and three or. 10 and 4. I want to be fighting these boys who are on 18, 19 fight win streaks. Those are the ones I want to fight. It's it's funny you mentioned how dominant you are. I mean, the comparisons to guys like Connor, to Dan Hardy, to Michael Bisbing. I mean, the, the road you're taking is very similar similar to theirs. You're, you're dominating everybody. However, when they came in, they, they did have some hurdles, with the exception of Connor. I mean, how do you get over these comparisons? And at the same time, is there one of these guys, or maybe all of these guys, that you kind of model your career after, and you kind of want to, you learned a little bit of each from uh, from each of those guys? So three questions. You give me that. <laughs> <Let me answer, laughs> Sorry about that, man. So uh, no, it's cool. So um, uh, the hurdles question. Um, I fully expect to hit um, these problems. Like I, I want to hit these problems. Like I want to be literally taken to the point where I struggle to win these fights. Mm-hmm. I want to be challenged to that extent because the best way to improve and the fastest way to figure out what you need to improve on and to find these gaps. And the, the, the quickest way, way to improve yourself as a fighter and become a dangerous, dangerous guy is to be pushed and to be pressured and to find these people who literally pressure the most. So I want to be fighting these boys that, that make me struggle. Um, 
I don't I don't mo- mo- model my career on anyone. And obviously, they do. They've done things I'd like to do. Um, obviously, Mike Bispin, the way he won his title it was insane. Obviously, Conor McGregor's the money fights and the way he's built built his his way up is is something very very well done. I think no one will ever do it again. But yeah, I um I never we have this saying here where um we don't idolize, we just pick um we just find targets and we just we sort of we break fighters down. So like um like in boxing, I love Vasiliy Lomachenko, I love his style. Um, but we we. We don't idolize. We figure out what he does well, and we imitate, or we we sort of uh, what's what's the word? Um, we we take it apart. Um, and I can't remember the third question you asked. <laughs> I guess like how do you? I mean, you kind of answered it. How do you avoid those comparisons? I mean, and you said it. I mean, you, you, the goal isn't to be compared to them. It's to kind of make your own road, learn oh, from those, pick pick things apart, but but grow from from their experiences. I guess. Of After course, I'm being that. Sorry, being generally sort of compared to these is always going to be a good thing. Like, if, yeah. if I ever get compared to George, to um, Mike Bispin, I hope they say that my, um, my ground pound off of my back is as good as Mike Bispin's because I think he had the best ground and pound off his back in anyone mm-hmm. in the UFC. Conor McGregor, the way he strikes, like, hate him or love him. Because um, I know a lot of my coaches hate him. Um, the way he, he finds these angles and the way he hits people is just perfect. Like, it takes a very, very good fighter to do what he done. He's done to the people he's done it to, like um, Jose Aldo, Dustin Poirier, Max Holloway, like all these guys. Um, Nate Diaz, I'm sure it was Nate or Nick. It's Nate. Was it's it Nate? Yeah. It was Nate. Nate. Yeah. yeah. Um, I always get confused with the two of them, but yeah, do you know what I mean like the way the way he's done this to these people is just it is special, and it, I understand why he's made the way he has. But I'm here to be to sort of write my own legacy, and I'm here to sort of tear my own way through. And um, you are gonna, you are gonna see a different sort of a different generation in, in, in me. You are gonna see a different legacy being built, and I'm excited to go out there and just put on a show for people. So after your last fight, you you made a huge statement. You you, you asked Dana White, Sean Shelby, listen, hey, look, I just proved my shot. I, I deserve it. I deserve it. That being said, how ready are you? I mean, do you have any injuries? If you were to get a call for Fight Island, are you good to go? I started camp on the, the Monday after the fight. So I had Sunday off after the fight and I was back in camp on Monday. So my weight's good. Um, I've just been sparring today. I sparred Monday. Uh, I sparred Sunday before that. I got sparring Sunday. Um, I'm training three times a day. My runs are good. Um, everything's good. Everything's really good. Um, I feel good. I just, it's just staying ready. That's the thing. And like, I, I, I love this. Like, this is my life. This is my dream. I'm living, I'm literally living the perfect lifestyle. Like, Someone asked me a question the other day and said, if you had unlimited amounts of money, what would you do? And my answer was, I'd do everything the same, just in better clothes, in a better car, and my coaches would be comfier. That, that'd be it. Like, I like everything the way it is. I eat well. Um, I have good training partners. Um, obviously, it could always be better. There's always people I could fly in. But um, it's just part of the, the way it is. Like, I'd love to get back out in California. Um, I love Sacramento. Uh, I, I love obviously train at Team Alpha Male. I love the whole lifestyle there. It's really relaxed, really chilled out. And um, there's nothing to do in Sacramento, which is what I love. Because when you're in camp, it's just train, sleep and train. So it's one of my favorite places. And um, I, I can't wait to go back. You mentioned Team Alpha Male. And uh, there's a, there's another Welsh fighter who, who trains there. She's fighting out of there. But I want to ask, what is it with this like surge of Welsh talent? I mean, it, it just seemed to come out of nowhere. I mean, for a long time, Wales MMA just seemed to be like not not really there, and now you've got 
Corey McKenna, um, you, Jack Marshman. There, there's this crazy influx. What is the reason for that? Sorry, I will give you apologize for that. My phone just rang, so I don't know who's ringing me. I just didn't decline it quickly. Um, so Corey McKenna lives literally 10 minutes away from me. Um, she, well, she lived in Cumbran. Um, she's out in California full-time now. Um, Jack Shaw, his gym is literally a 15-minute drive. Jack Marshman, I've literally just been training in Jack Marshman's hometown. Brett Johns lives an hour away, but um, he literally, um, he trains in Jack's gym as well, which is literally out, out the road. And, like, Will's been over a lot of time. There was, was a fight in Irish and they got their time. And um, we've always been a nation of fires. Like, we are, we are an unconquerable people. Um, we've always been sort of a tough, tough people. And, like, I grew up fighting, um, whether it was fighting in gyms, whether it was fighting, um, like, or, uh, people outside. Like, we're, we're, a fight, we're a fighting nation, do you know what I mean? And um, that's not a bragging. Like, I'm not going to turn around and try telling you how I'm this or I'm that or, like, people trying to style themselves as gangsters or whatever they do. Like, I'm just a, a lad from uh, the, a mountain, a small mountain town who just loves a good punch-up. And I love breaking people down. I love breaking styles down. I love outthinking people. Like, for me, being in, in, in there and being able to outwit my opponent and outthink their style is the greatest thing in the world. And I just can't wait to get on that big stage and start doing it to the best fighters in the world. Yeah, it's, it's funny because when I think of, like, Welsh sports, uh, you know, obviously my mind goes to guys like Gareth Bale in, in football and then rugby and, or cricket. Rugby. Usually, <laughs> usually MMA isn't the first thing, first thing in my mind. That being said, how did you said you fought on the streets and all that stuff, but – how did someone who's kind of in a, in, a, in a country where these other sports tend to be the, the main focus, how did you end up finding the sport? So first thing, um, give us five years and I think you will start to think of Wales for MMA. Um, we're, we're really ready to explode now. The amount of guys coming through, you're really going to be standing with the amount of good fighters coming through. Um, but how I found it, so uh, when I was seven, uh, my dad had tried me in football and rugby and I was just, um, I was only a young kid. I, I just wanted to scrap. So um, he took me to, a, I think it was younger than actually, I think it was just, just before my seventh, he took me to um, a small grappling hall that um, did just literally, it was just people trying to start trying to learn how to fight. And um, they told me to come back when I was an adult. So um, he took me to a kickboxing gym. That kickboxing gym I trained at um, had... Jack Marshman there, Richard Shaw, Jack Shaw's dad, Jack Shaw. Um, uh, it had some other local fighters. It had um, Joseph Duffy. Obviously, Joseph Duffy's just retired. He was um, obviously um, one of the last people. He, he beat McGregor back in the day in Cage Warriors before um, coming into the UFC in his own right. Um, like it, it had very, very high-level people, and all of us were pushing hard. Um, I ended up going into judo. I'm the very, very good ju uh, career in judo. Um, I won national championships. Um, I medaled uh, in European competitions. I was in Team GB. I was in the Welsh team. Um, I pushed it at a high level. I competed all over Europe. Then um, uh, I went into, uh, I started boxing, started with Thai boxing. I got a BJ black belt. I pro boxed for three years, uh, for two years. Uh, I won three fights. Um, I know it doesn't sound like much in two years, but I had, I had six cancelled fights. So um, I was very active. They just couldn't find me opponents. So, um, like, I've done my groundwork. So I've been training for 18 years. Um, I've got three black belts, one in judo, one in BJJ, one in kickboxing. I'm a very good boxer. Um, my knees, my Thai game is quite strong. I work, I've worked at a Taekwondo fighter, mm -hmm. for a Taekwondo coach for seven or eight years. Um, like, I'm, I'm, I'm perfecting my game. Um, I'm not just a striker. I'm a wrestler. I'm a jiu-jitsu fighter. I'm good everywhere, and I'm dangerous everywhere. So it doesn't matter where we go. I'll just finish it.
I think that's what's really so exciting about about this new wave of MMA. I mean, when I got into it, I'm I'm still young too. I'm I'm young, but when I started yep. watching it, it was like these specialists, and now it's really coming full circle, and people are learning it at such a young age. And it makes it way more dangerous for when guys like you make it to the UFC. I mean, if you're to fight these guys who have only specialized in one discipline, you know, it's yeah. uh, it, it's yeah. a lot easier. That being said, um, I kind of built this platform on making matchups. If right now you could say, you know what, before my career is over, there is one person who I'd like to test. Justin Gaethje. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. <laughs> No Justin Gaethje, beautiful violence. I, 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 I want that that heat. You know I mean, like, um, he literally comes with the same mentality me of it doesn't matter whether you win, it doesn't matter whether you lose, and that's from an undefeated fighter. I genuinely don't care to lose. Like, I go in in there with the mindset of I prepared to the best extent of my ability. I'm gonna go in there and do whatever I can to beat you, and I'm gonna outthink you. And if if you beat me, then you're gonna beat me because the better man won. I'm not gonna make any excuses. And be like, oh, my weight cut or. I had this injury or I had that. I'm going to come out there and you're going to beat. And if if and when I lose, I'm just going to turn around and be like, look, you beat me today. Um, I'll come, I'll, I'll, be, I'll beat you next time sort of thing. But um, I'll get back to the gym and I'll work on what I've done wrong. But I'm going to tell you now, you're going to have to knock me out or you're going to have to snap something to get me to finish a name because I I am not going to stop. That's the way I go. I'm, I, I'm not going to tap unless you put me to sleep and I'm, I'm going to keep coming at, at you. So... That's just the way it's going to be, and I'm going to go out out there and always put on on the line. I'm always, I'm always, and I, I always have given exciting fights. So, if if you're going to do anything, then tune in to my next fight. Um, fingers crossed, it's going to be on UFC. I'm still waiting for my um, my sign up, but it, it's 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 not long. I think it's just got lost in a post at the moment. But um, <laughs> as soon as this, as soon as it's done, as soon as I'm 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 in, um, you'll you'll see someone special coming through, and um, I'm just. I'm just gonna go out out there to smash everyone, and I wanna I wanna start taking through that top twenty rankings. That style is what us as fans love, and it's also what Dana White and the UFC are looking for. So I like, like I said, I think it's really only a matter of time. If it's not coming already, it will. I mean, the double champ status is, uh, you know, it, it's it's really special, especially today. There's not many people who can say they've done that, even outside the UFC. There's only been three in uh, in cage warriors to do it. You mentioned Justin Gaethje. I can't. Uh, I can't let you go without asking. The fight's next weekend. Who do you have? Khabib Nurmagomedov. I think he's twenty-eight and zero against Justin Gaethje, who, like you said, is probably one of the most exciting fighters to ever uh, walk through the UFC. So my head says Habib. Uh, my heart says Gaethje. Like I'd love to see um, Gaethje win that fight, just because the um, the way it spiced the division up. But um, Habib is a expert at his own. At his own game plan, he he literally makes good fighters look bad because he drags them into his game. So to beat him, you have to make him uncomfortable. You have to you have to sort of drive him into deep waters, and you have to make him suffer for every round, and you have to hurt him. And it's very hard to do. Um, so the best um, analysis we've done on it is you have to drown a shark. Um, so it's mm -hmm. it's not easy easy easy. Do you know what I mean so? Um, I'd love to see Gaethje beat him, but I um I could see um Habib winning again, and I think it'll be a decision. But um. Is a fight I'm very, very looking forward to watching. This is what I like about UFC. There's never, um, they don't do the whole guaranteed win thing anymore. Like um, you see a lot of organizations and they mismatch a lot. Um, UFC don't do that. They, it is just whoever wants to fight fights. It's easy as that. Like um, they don't sort of hide people. If someone's willing to sign a piece of paper to say that they're they're willing to put on on the line, they'll let those guys fight. And I I love that. 
Um, like the Adesanya fight um, against Costa, Costa, that was a brilliant fight. And then um, when they showed everyone he's beaten in the top in the top ten or the top twenty, it, it's it's insane. Like I think there's like something like in the top twenty, there's like six or seven fights yet he hasn't actually fight, fighters he hasn't actually beat yet. So um, UFC again, it's it's just the greatest organization in the world at the moment, and I can't see it being anything different. I'll ask you one last question and then I'll let you go. So if Dana White, Mick Maynard, and Sean Shelby were listening to this right now, which they aren't, but if they were, what would the message be? Uh, if you don't know who I am, you'll know who I am soon enough. And I look forward to working with you. Thanks, man. I appreciate you taking the time. I'm glad to have you on episode 100. I, uh, I've been a fan for a while. And as soon as you got that uh, second belt, I was like, if I can get him on, I got to get him on because I expect greatness. I know great things are coming your way. So I, uh, I really appreciate it. And, uh, Hopefully, hopefully we'll see you out there soon in the UFC. I, I'm sure it won't be long. Thank you so much for having me on, and um, I hope you have a great day. All right, man. All the best. Stay safe. Thank you. Bye. All right. There you have it. Episode 100 just concluded. We had Mason Jones come on. Um, highly, highly recommend watching his fights if you haven't. He's very, very dangerous. Expect great things from him. We can see him in the UFC soon. That being said, I usually don't do this. I haven't done it up until now, but I'm asking, can you please like, comment, and subscribe? Um, it means a lot. It'll go a long way. Obviously, I'm funding a lot of this by myself, but I can't do it without your support. So that being said, thank you guys again for episode 100, and uh, we'll see you guys soon.